Come on, church. Give God some praise in this place. He's our Savior. He's our redemption. By His blood, we're made whole. I want to read Philippians 2 today. This is the text we're going to be coming from this morning. So I want you to let this soak into your heart and spirit. It says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Let's thank our Savior that he went to that cross for us that he paid the price for us he's a good God and a good father why don't you high five two people and tell them it's about to go down and you can be seated today hey what do you guys think about our outfits today come on somebody hey I just want you to know this was not planned we showed up, somebody said, yeah, right, come on now. We showed up this morning and we're all wearing the same exact thing. You know what they say, great minds, right? So man, it's good to be here. My name is Caleb and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Project Church and I have the joy of sharing from God's word with you today. So what we've been doing is we, uh, last week we kicked off an all new series called Energy and uh, we're talking about five areas to level up your life. And uh, what we believe is that following Christ, we should carry a, a, a God energy, a Jesus energy. And that, that energy should take our, level, our life to another level. And so what we want to do is we want to focus in on really the big areas of your life. And so last week we talked about setting a vision for your life for this year. Today we want to talk about relationships. Come back next week. Uh, Chrissy is actually sharing and she'll be talking about mental and physical health. Then we're, got, we're hitting on finances, then work. But today I want to talk to you about relationships. So the title of my message is Relationship Goals. Everybody say goals. So before we jump in here, uh, we actually had several people get baptized in the 930 service. And uh, yeah, it was, we celebrated out front. We did it out front. But we actually have no one signed up for the 1130. And uh, that's okay. But the tank's here. So listen, if you have not been baptized in water... Uh, this is a command from Jesus. It's the next step in your faith. And I want to encourage you. It's a way of going public and letting everyone know that uh, Jesus is your Savior, that you're all in for him. And so we have shorts, we have T-shirts, and uh, we have towels. So if you want to be baptized after the service, uh, just stop in. There's a connect table. You'll see the T-shirts. You can grab them. We'll wait for you, and uh, we'll do that. So I just want to give it, throw it out there. The tank's here. It's not normally here, but we brought it because we had several people sign up for the 930. So, hey, if you would like to, we'd love to take that next step and celebrate with you. Uh, but I want to talk to you about relationship goals. Here's what I found. Uh, I think that in relationships, they either give you life or drain you of life. 
And in my life, I have relationships and I've had relationships that have drained me of life. But then I've also had relationships that have given me life, that have poured life into me. And in that also, you are either a person that drains people of life or you give people life. And I believe that we all in this room want to be people that give life. That every relationship we're in, every friendship, uh, maybe you're dating, your dating relationship, your marriage, your coworkers, your boss, that they would look at you and say, man, he or she gives me life. They don't drain me of life. They give me life. That's the kind of people we want to be. And so that's what I want to focus on today. But I also want to talk to you about our mentalities. How do we know the mind is a powerful thing? In fact, we see in Scripture that Paul wrote, he said, you have to renew your mind daily. The mind is powerful. The mind can either set us up and and propel our trajectory forward and upward, or the mind can pull our trajectory downward and, and, and backwards. And so how we think, the mentalities we carry in our relationships will dictate the trajectory of your life. And so I want to talk to you about, I got four mentalities that you should carry. Four mentalities that you should carry in your relationships and in your life. I was uh, listening a couple weeks back to, uh, I was watching Sports Center, and this quarterback, his name is Baker Mayfield, he plays for the Cleveland Browns. We got any Cleveland Brown fans in here? Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, they, they've been horrible forever, but uh, they're on the way up. But Baker Mayfield is a quarterback. And they won a game a couple weeks back. And after the game, he was in his post-game press conference. And the first thing he said on the mic, he said, I woke up this morning feeling dangerous. And I was like, oh, I like that mentality. You know, he said, I woke up this morning feeling dangerous. And I think that sometimes we look at, like, athletes and, and football players specifically, and we think, man, these dudes are cocky. These dudes are arrogant. Like, we think that. I remember Terrell Owens back in the day. He was one of my favorite players. And he would walk up and down the sideline going, I love me. I love me some me. I love me. That was just his mentality, right? Because he, and, and, and he had the mentality, like, throw me the ball, I'll catch it. Like, I won't drop it. Throw me the ball. I need the ball. I love me. And you need to love me too. And uh, sometimes we hear this, we're like, man, these dudes, they're cocky, they're arrogant. But one thing I've realized is that they have to have this mentality to be successful. You got a 300-pound dude running a 4-5-40, you better believe in yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, you better have some belief uh, that you're going to survive, that you're going to win, that you're going to get things done. I mean, there's power in our minds. In, in having the mentality that we should have. And so today, I want to give you, I have four relational, relational mentalities for you to live with. If you carry these mentalities, I believe they'll prepare your li- propel your life forward and upward. And so I'd encourage you to take notes today. If you haven't gotten one of these, we have these journals that are walking through uh, each week with us. It actually gives you a little bit of homework, some things to do during the week. I was actually journaling journaling this week in mine. There's also a Bible reading plan in here if you'd like a Bible reading plan. At the very back, there's a 30-day Bible reading plan in the words of Jesus, and the teachings of Jesus. So I'd encourage you to grab one of these on your way out if you haven't gotten one. But Paul, at the very start of this passage that I read, I read it as we closed worship, um, he writes to the church in Philippi. 
And he says, look, I want to encourage you in Christ. I want to comfort you with the love of Christ. I want to guide you by the spirit of Christ. And I want to lead you with the affection and sympathy of Christ. And I want to do all this focused on your relationships. So if you were paying attention when I read it, this whole passage, chapter 2, 1 through 8, it's all about how the people live in their relationships. How they live and channel, and it actually says, put on the mind of Christ. That they think their mentality is Christ-like and Christ-focused, and they carry this mentality in all of their relationships. And it's a challenging passage. But I want to jump in here. Four relational mentalities to live with. Number one, live with a protective mentality. Everyone say, protect. A protective mentality. Verse 2 says, complete joy by having love, being of one accord and of the same mind. Full accord and of one mind. This is what Paul is challenging them with. This church in Philippi. And we can apply this to our lives today. Have a and live with a protective mentality. Here's what I mean by that. You are to live and to carry a protective mentality, meaning you are protecting the unity in your relationships. How many of you know that it's really easy and it's very simple to go from unity to disunity in your relationships? It's very easy and simple. It can be small and subtle to go from unity to disunity with your coworkers, unity to disunity with your boss, unity to disunity with your spouse, unity to disunity with your friends. I mean, it can be subtle and small and just like that. Unity to disunity. The enemy wants you in disunity, not connected to the people around you. That's what he wants. But when we live with the protective mentality, we go, no, I will protect the unity at all costs. Now listen to me in this. Uh, Jesus actually taught in his greatest sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he taught and uh, he told us, he said, blessed are the peacekeepers. No, he didn't say that. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. You see, when you want to protect unity, you don't keep the peace, you make peace. You see, peacekeepers, they sweep it under the rug. Peacekeepers, they ignore it. Peacekeepers, they turn a blind eye into it. Peacekeepers, they don't want to have the hard conversations. Peacekeepers, they don't want conflict. Peacekeepers, they don't talk about what needs to be talked about. Peacemakers, they lift up the couch. I lifted up my couch the other day, y'all. It was crazy. I got three kids. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know what happened. Uh, I moved the couch. I'm like, oh, I moved the rug. What happened? Peacemakers, we pull the rug back. We move the couch. We say, there's a mess under here. Let's talk about it. We have the hard conversations. We don't run from conflict. We run at it, and we run at it with grace. We run at it with love, and we do it because why? We want to protect the unity. Some of you are afraid to have the hard conversations with your spouse, with your boss, with your coworkers. I'm here to tell you, if you do, you'll have greater unity. You're wondering why there's disunity. It's because you're running from and not to the, the, the conversations you need to have. And you're not protecting the unity that God has called you to protect. We protect unity. We have a protective mentality. I got some friends from Massachusetts. I lived there for five years. And my last year there, um, this, this situation happened. See, there were these two couples. They were married. They were in their mid, late 20s. And they were best friends. The husbands were best friends. The wives were best friends. Has this ever happened to you? Like, do you have that couple that's like your best friend? 
like, you know, Chrissy and I, we, we, we are always looking for that, right? Like those couples that you actually both connect with. It's like amazing. And they had that. They had those couples they both connected with. And uh, they were best friends. They did everything together. hung out together. Well, one night they were having a, uh, a little party. They were having a hangout. And everyone went over. And I went over. And the guys were all in one room watching sports. The girls were in the other room. And the girls started to get a little crazy. They turned up the music. The Spice Girls came on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't know what came on. It was a few years back. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Call Me Maybe came on. And they just went ham on it. And so they're in there dancing and, and going wild. And it was, let's be real, it was probably Destiny's Child, okay. Um, and so they're going wild in there, and, and the, the guy whose house it was, who's one of these best friends, th- this couple, he goes in, and he's mad. And he's like, you guys need to be quiet, you're being too loud. He turns it down, walks out, and his best friend's wife turns it back up. And she, uh, she turns it back up, and they're going crazy, and he comes back in, and uh, he says it again. And she talks back to him because she's a strong woman. We got any strong women in here? Come on, strong women. Make some noise. You know what I'm saying? My wife's not here, but she's a strong woman. Let me tell you. And so he literally goes in on her. Like goes off on her in front of everyone. Chews her out. This is my house. How dare you disrespect me? And just goes in. Well, the husband comes in. He's like, what's happening? He grabs his wife. They leave. And I'm like, whoa. Like that. That went from zero to 100 real quick. You ever see that happen? And so the next day, the husbands get together. They're best friends. And the husband sits down and he says, hey, um, you know, I felt like you disrespected my wife and her feelings were really hurt. And, you know, she, she knows she was wrong and she's going to apologize, but you need to apologize to her too. And he said, I'll accept her apology, but I will not apologize to her. In fact, I don't owe her an apology. She disrespected me in my home, and he just goes off. And So they talk about it. They call the next day, and he's like, look, man, she's ready to apologize, but you have to be willing to apologize to No, I, will, I refuse. I will not apologize. They have not spoken to each other since. This was six years ago. Best friends. This is what I'm talking about. A protective mentality. Here's what we care about. A lot of us care more about being right than being righteous. A lot of us care more about being right in this life than having unity. We care more about being right than having peace. My friend, yeah, maybe he was 10% wrong, 20% wrong. She was 80%. I tell my wife all the time, like, babe, I'm wrong. You know, I made a mistake and I apologize for that. Now, guess what? In my head, I'm thinking, I'm only 20% wrong. But I'll own my 20%. The problem is, most of us, we don't want to own what we should own. We're waiting for them to apologize or we don't think we've done anything wrong. A protective mentality says, you know what? I maybe was wronged, but I also am wrong. I maybe was wronged, but I also want unity. I also want, want righteousness. I also want peace. So I'll have the hard conversations, but I'll fight for and I'll protect the unity that God has called me to have in my relationships. We live with a protective mentality. Number two, we live with an investment mentality. I know we got some investors in here. Some of y'all wish you invested in Apple when they first launched that first iPhone back in the day. You know what I'm saying? It says in verse 3, don't be selfish or conceited. 
be humble. Count others as more important than yourself. Count others more significant than yourselves. Ooh, I don't like this one. I don't know about you. I mean, we live in a culture that, that I love me some me. I love me. I mean, what are you talking about? Putting others before me? Others are more significant than me? No, do you know who I am? Like, I'm important. I matter. I'm trying to build my brand. I'm trying to build my, I mean, this is so contrary to how we live and what our culture tells us. And yet here's Paul writing. He says, don't be prideful. Don't be rivals. Don't be conceited. Don't be all of these things. Be humble and count others more significant than you. This is hard. This is hard. But when we live with an investment mentality, we say, I'm going to invest in the relationships that matter. I'm going to pour in to the relationships that matter. My wife and I, uh, we tell our kids, look, we love you. But mommy and daddy love each other and we have to spend some time just the two of us. And so we regularly go on date nights. We regularly do get getaways. Why? Because we're investing in this. Because if my marriage is healthy, my home will be healthy. If my marriage is healthy, my children will be happy. Some of you are like, I got to invest in my kids, make sure they're happy. Yeah, you do. But you also got to invest in your, in your marriage. That's going to make them happy. Live with an investment mentality. I want to ask you, what are you investing in? Are you investing in the relationships that matter? Are you investing in what's important? Live with this investment mentality. You know, a, a couple, it was probably like a year ago, I was at a stoplight. And I, I came to this stoplight and the, there was a guy in front of me and he was obviously on his phone. You know, he was looking down and I could see the little light. And then the light, the stoplight turned green and he didn't go. And so being like courteous and kind, I just gave him a little... A gentle, like, beep, beep, like, hey, buddy, light's green. You know, it, it, was, it was one of those. You know, there's a difference in honks, right? There's a difference. And so I didn't lay on the horn. I was just like, beep, beep. I mean, I have a Kia, you guys. It's like the weakest horn of all time. So I'm like, beep, 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 beep. Go ahead, buddy. Beep, beep, the light's green. Well, he immediately looks up, sees the green light, looks in the rearview mirror, and just straight gives me the stank eye and doesn't move. And he just sits there. And it was a long light, still green, he doesn't move, still green, doesn't move. So I'm like, oh, I know what he's going to do. It's going to turn yellow, and then he's going to go. He's going to leave me hanging. I, I see you, I see you, you're smart, okay. The light turns yellow, it turns red, he doesn't move. He's still staring at me. So naturally, I get out of my car. No, I'm kidding, I didn't do that. <laughs> You got something to say? No, I didn't. So we're sitting there at the light, and he's still just looking at me. And the next time the light turns green, and he goes, and I go. But it got me thinking, man, how many of us in this life, we got the green light, the destination ahead of us, but we're stuck by something that happened in the past. How petty are we? Like, this dude was so petty, he wasn't going to move because I, I, it was gentle, you guys, BB. Like, it was. Go, buddy. Come on. And yet, because of pettiness, he wasn't willing to move forward to his destination. He literally stayed there. 
for an entire life. And so many of us are being held back from investing in the relationships ahead of us and before us because of some situation, something that was said, and we're stuck back there. We're stuck by what's behind us. We're stuck by the past. And God is saying to you today, it's time to move on, let go, forgive, and move into the future that I have for your life. We have to live with an investment mentality. We invest in the relationships that God has for us now. The the relationships ahead of us. Some of you are so afraid to love. You're so afraid to be loved. You're so afraid to be in relationship. You're so afraid to invest because some what someone did back then. And God's saying, let go of back then. Move forward from back then. How foolish is it to be sitting with a green light and no one in front of you and not moving because of something that happened in the past. Something that happened behind you. When we live with an investment mentality, we invest in what's in front of us. We invest in what God has before us. Invest in the relationships that matter in your life. You have to. You and I. When you live with an investment mentality, I'm telling you, your relationships will be healthy. Because you're pouring in to the people around you. You're bringing life. You're not taking life. We could have named this sermon like, how to hug a vampire or something like that, right? Like there are some people that will suck the life out of you. But I don't want to be a person that sucks the life out of others. I want to be a person that pours life into the people around me. Investment mentality means, man, I give, I love, I serve, I invest in the relationships that God has called me to. Now that may mean you got to cut off some relationships. I'm not saying you got to stay in every relationship. You're in a bad dating relationship. You maybe don't need to stay there. Maybe you have a coworker that constantly just drains you of everything and, 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 or a friendship that is constantly pulling you down. You don't invest in the bad, but you do invest where God has placed you and called you. Investment mentality. Number three, we live with a grace mentality. A grace mentality. This is my favorite part of this whole passage. There's one little phrase. It's talking about Jesus in verse number seven. It says he emptied himself. He made himself nothing. He emptied himself, one version says. Taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. I want you to hear me right now because some of you, and I've had a lot of conversations with people in our church and I think we get caught up in this is we can't live in our relationships, especially in our marriage, but in all relationships, with a law of economy mentality. A law of economy mentality. And some of you, maybe you don't know what this is, but uh, let me explain it. Meaning that if you're able to do this, then I get to do something of equal value. That if you got to get a pedicure, then I get to go for 20 bucks. I get to go buy some kicks for 20 bucks. I mean, I guess only I pay less because 20 bucks. But that, that we live with this law of economy mentality, and I've seen this in marriage. I've seen this in relationships. I've seen this in friendships. That I'll only give as much as I get. I'll only invest as much as is invested in me. But a grace mentality is not a law of economy mentality. Because this is the opposite of the gospel mentality. The central message of the, of the Bible, of the gospel, is not follow all the rules so you'll be rewarded. The message is Jesus came to give us grace we didn't deserve. He came to 
pour out grace that we didn't deserve, that we can't earn. Our mentality in relationships has to be that of Jesus. That says, I came not to be served, but to serve. I came not to get blessings, but to be a blessing. I came not to receive, but to give. This must be our investment mentality when it comes to our relationships. Our grace mentality when it comes to relationships. That we would expend grace just like we receive grace. You know, Christy and I, we meet with couples um, sometimes when they're going through struggles. And we do counseling. And it's funny because usually when a couple is really struggling, they're like, we need to meet with you guys. We'll meet with them individually first. And so I'll meet with the guy. And Christy will meet with the, the girl. You know, I'll meet with the husband. She'll meet with the wife. And it's funny because I'll always meet with the guy and then she'll meet with the, the wife. And then we'll come together. Chrissy and I will come together and talk. And I'll be like, man, Chrissy, they're in a really tough spot. This chick is jacked up. Like, she's cray. Like, she got problems. She's petty. She's selfish. Like, I'll just be going off. I'll be going in. Like, this woman, oh, my goodness. I don't know how he's still even married to her. And what's funny is Chrissy at the same time will be like, excuse me? Uh-uh. He is not a man of God. He is not a godly leader. He does not serve his family. He does not love his wife well. He does not live stuff with And she'll go in. And I'm like, wait, hold up. Who are you t- talking about? We quickly realize we each heard one side of the story. We each heard one side of the story. So then we come together and all four of us sit down. And very quickly I recognize that they're each wrong. That they're each struggling. That they're each at fault. And I always recognize the bottom line is simple. The bottom line is simple, and I'll say it to them. Neither of you are willing to give grace. You both want to receive grace, but neither of you are willing to give grace. And I knew that quickly when I talked to my wife And our stories didn't match because she said it was all him and he said it was all her. But grace says, yeah, we each have faults, but I'm going to love you anyways. Grace says, you may fall short, but so do I. And I quickly realized there's no grace mentality. We have to have a grace mentality in our relationships that we invest as much as we receive. That we invest often more than we receive. In fact, as a husband, my wife and I, like, we've we realized that there's times that we live with a law of economy mindset. Like the other day, it was a couple weeks ago, I was like, Chrissy, you know I've taken the trash out seven times in a row, and that's your job? It's not actually not, but I just use that as an example. Um, Chrissy, you know I've done the dishes the last four nights straight? I, I live with the law of economy mentality sometimes. And this is what I see in marriage. But that is not the gospel. And that is not grace. And I know that the Bible tells me I'm supposed to love my wife the way Christ loved the church. I'm supposed to give my life for her. I'm supposed to serve her. So she wants me to wash the dishes and give the kids a bath and vacuum the house. I need to do it. Does that mean we don't have hard conversations? Still no. Does that mean we still don't try to have an even distribution? But here's what I found. When both my wife and I are giving grace... When both of my wife and I are serving one another, 
When both my wife and I are loving each other, guess what happens? We're both happy. Because we're giving and we're receiving. We're extending grace and we're receiving grace. We have to live with a grace mentality. And if the band would come back, I'm going to close right now. Fourth and finally, we've got to live with a harvest mentality. Harvest. Galatians 6, 7 says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. This is the harvest mentality that I'm talking about. Now, maybe you don't know or understand a lot about the Bible or maybe you're not a farmer. (laughs) So I want to explain this. You see, there's this idea, this analogy that is seen throughout Scripture. And we use farming terms really to describe our lives. It says, whatever one sows, that he will also reap. This is the harvest mentality I'm talking about. You see, the sowing is the planting. To sow means you, 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 you plant seeds. You release seeds. You till soil. You water. The, the reaping is the gathering of the harvest. Right? It's the gathering of the crop, of the fruit, of the yield. It's, that's the reaping. A harvest mentality means we have to think in a way that says, I will sow, knowing that one day I'll reap. You don't sow a seed and reap the fruit the same day. You know that, right? You don't sow a seed and reap the crop the same day. But we live in an instant gratification culture, society, where we go, I mean, I sowed it like an hour ago. Why am I not reaping it? I mean, I planted it like last week. Why has I not got the fruit yet? It's been a week, God. Come on, where you at? But when we live with the harvest mentality, we go, no, I'm sowing knowing that one day I'll reap. Some crops take a little longer than others. Some fruit take a little longer than others. Some yield take a little more time, a little more care, a little more a little more TLC than others. And so I want to be in my relationships, whether it's my job, whether it's my coworkers, whether it's my boss, whether it's my marriage, whether it's the people around me and my friendships, my family. I want to be someone who says, I will continually sow knowing that one day I will reap. That's the harvest mentality. But I know that the fruit, the crop, the yield, the harvest takes time. Here's what I've seen. And a, a question I want you to ask yourself. I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I a hoarder of love? Ask yourself right now. Am I a hoarder of grace? Ask yourself right now. Am I a hoarder of kindness? Am I a hoarder of love? You see, love was meant to be passed around. Grace was meant to be passed on. Mercy was meant to be released. Kindness was meant to be sent to others. And here's what I found is in the church, 
we are really good at receiving grace, really good at receiving love, really good at receiving kindness, but we're not really good at releasing it. And so in the church, man, we got warehouses full of grace, warehouses full of love, warehouses full of kindness. And here's the thing about grace, love, and kindness in your life. It has a shelf life. Some of you are like, no, Caleb, that's not biblical. God's mercy goes on and on. His love is never ending. No, I'm not talking about his. I'm talking about yours. Yeah, his, his mercy goes on and on. His kindness goes on and on. His love goes on and on. But love that God has given you, grace that God has given you, kindness God has given you, it has a shelf life. And so what we have is we have a lot of really stinky churches and stinky people. You want to know why? Because the fruit of love and the fruit of kindness and the fruit of grace has gone bad because they're just holding on to it and they're hoarding it and they're stockpiling it and it's on their shelves and it's in their warehouse and some of you have been holding on to grace thank you God grace thank you God love thank you God kindness thank you God but you're holding on to it and you're not sending it out you're not releasing it you're not letting it go and I'm here to tell you it's going bad it's smelling and, and, and your life may be smelling and you may be wondering like why do I not have peace in my life why are my relationships all broken I want to tell you why it's because you don't have a harvest mentality one that says I don't just sow or I don't just reap I sow I plant kindness I plant love I plant mercy I plant joy I plant these things why because I know that one day I'll reap them not only that but you've already reaped it through Jesus, you've already reaped it. He's already given you an abundance of love, an abundance of grace, an abundance, abundance of kindness, an abundance of mercy. And so I want to challenge you today because some of us in our relationships, we're hoarders. And you guys know hoarders are not fun people to be around. You ever walked in the home of a hoarder? I have. It's not fun. There's no joy. There's no peace. Not only that, but things smell. And some of us have been hoarding so much from God, and it smells. And God's saying, listen, love is only true in your life, and grace is only true in your life, and kindness is only true in your life when it's flowing through you, when it's flowing through your life, when it's flowing out of you, when you're receiving it and you're giving it, when you're pulling it in and you're sending it out, when you're reaping it and you're sowing it, that's the harvest mentality I'm talking about today. That we would reap and sow. Reap and sow that which God has given us. So I, I want to close right now. I'm going to give you a... This is a bonus point. I wrote it down this morning. So this is the fifth mentality that wasn't in my original notes. Is that you would live with a Jesus at the center mentality. Because let me tell you something. You could start to shift all the other mentalities, but unless Jesus is at the center of it all, it'll never be what it's meant to be. It'll never look like it's meant to look. Your life will never have the peace it's meant to have. Jesus at the center mentality. He's at the center of my marriage. He's at the center of my parenting. He's at the center of my job. He's at the center of my relationship with my friends. He's at the center of my family. Jesus at the center mentality. That's it. 
So today I want to give you an opportunity to respond. Some of you have never said, Jesus, be at the center of my life. And you've been wondering, man, why is my wife, my life full of chaos? Why has my life been nothing but brokenness? Why have my, has my life been nothing but discouragement? Why has my life been nothing but, but just anxiety and fear? I want to tell you it's because you need Jesus at the center. It's all about him. This church is all about him. In fact, I just told my wife, put it on the website. We just, I think she did it. You guys can check for me. Our staff page, it says, Senior Pastor Jesus Christ at the top. We just changed it. I may be the lead pastor, but Jesus is the senior pastor of this church. And he needs to be the lead pastor of your life, the senior pastor of your life, the center of your life. Let me tell you, all the answers are in him. The emptiness that you've had is in him. It's found in him. He'll fill it. He'll make you whole. He'll heal you. He'll give you everything you've been looking for. He'll release the love that you've been searching for. And you've tried to fill with all the other things. It's him. Would you bow your heads with me across this place?